Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, go down to verse 13. Jesus here. He's speaking and he's giving uh, the most beautiful sermon of all time, right? Many of us have probably heard it, the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to study the whole sermon this series, but I want to look at a few passages here. And I really wanted to get into a heart. So we're just going to read uh, maybe about three verses. Go down to verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens. By the way, ask our team for a Bible afterwards. We've got Bibles that we give out for free because of our tithes and offerings. We buy thousands of Bibles a year and we give them away for free. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. Jesus speaking and teaching, he says this. You are the salt of the earth. Somebody say salt. salt. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Come on. Three verses. That's what we're going to look at for the next several weeks, break it down part by part. Jesus said some interesting phrases, uses some interesting metaphors, similes. And what does he mean? What is he talking about? Today we're starting about a five-part series called City on a Hill. Can you say that with me? Come on. City on a Hill. And uh, we're studying what Jesus meant in this part of the Sermon of the Mount. Today, I want to talk to you part one from this title, The Difference Maker. The Difference Maker. And so if you have a notebook, if you're writing it down somewhere on an iPad or a notebook, write down The Difference Maker. We're going to study verse 13 today. Why don't you high five four or five people around you and tell them you are The Difference Maker. The Difference Maker. Look at them in the eye. Say it with conviction. You are the difference maker. The person on the other side say, I don't know about you, but I'm just kidding. You are the difference maker. You are the difference maker. Let's pray and then I just splash. Let's pray and then um, I I got 24 minutes and then we're going to worship Jesus. Worship was beautiful today, by the way. And then uh, we'll worship Jesus and then go home and um, I think Louis is just at that side for a second. He doesn't want to know the Dolphins score, but we'll pray. The Dolphins need help. They need to recover after losing today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love, your mercy. What a day it's been. Thank you for the 9 a.m., 11 a.m. Thank you for so many people making a decision to follow you. Thank you for the life that is happening in our church. Thank you for so many people that are making decisions and next steps and baptisms and child dedications. You are at work. Something is happening. You're on the move and we're in awe of it and we love you and thank you that although we are not worthy, you considered us worthy to die for us and now you are at work in and through our lives. Thank you for Calvary that through this church we're able to impact the world. And so as we finish up this year with this last series, let your word come alive in us. You are the salt 
of the earth. We're a city on a hill, and we're a difference maker. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you. And it's in that precious name of Jesus that all of Calvary Church says. Amen. Come on, all of Calvary Church says. Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? If we uh, study American history a little bit, we would know that at the beginning of the 1900s, our country, the United States of America, was going through a very difficult time, a challenging time, trying to recover from the Great Depression, where people absolutely lost all their money, uh, everything crashed. It was a horrible time, and as the first few decades continued, then the next thing that challenged our country was racism. In fact, in the early 1900s, the city of Montgomery passed an ordinance where the busing system had segregation or separation, and people were separated by the color of their skin. White people would have the several few rows in the front of the bus, and colored people had their section toward the back. And if the white section got filled and more white people got on the bus, People of color would then have to start giving up their seats, and it's absolutely atrocious and ridiculous that our country even thought that way at some point. And it became a moment of high tension, years of our country breaking down, and it was at basically at a point of collapsing over this issue. And it was one December evening in the year 1955, where in Montgomery, this city, the bus got absolutely filled and the bus made another stop and some white people got on the bus and they were waiting for colored people to stand up and give up their seats and a few of them did except there was this one young colored lady who decided enough was enough and that she was a person of value as well and her name was Rosa Parks. You went to history class and you paid attention. <laughs> Rosa Parks decided, I'm no longer going to conform to the ways of the world around me. I believe I'm valuable and I'm tired of being treated as something of no value. And so I will take a moment and I will step out in courage and I will not move. And she made a massive difference in our country that evening in 1955. Her moment of courage was a decisive moment for the civil rights movement because when she decided not to move, it inspired courage in others who were conforming. And now others started following along in her pattern and it started the sit-ins or the arrestings and a year later, Montgomery had to change his ordinance and now all people could sit everywhere because of one young lady who said, I will not conform, but I will be courageous and change the status quo. Now, now there will be moments in my life and in your life where just like Rosa Parks, we will be challenged and tested and put to the fire. Will we be conformist or will we be courageous we'll, we'll all have moments of testing in our life I mean from the moment we're born and we are raised in this culture and society and world there'll be challenging moments where where you'll be put to the fire will you just go with the status quo will you just go with the flow of culture and society or will you and I be courageous and decide not to just do what everybody else is doing 
It's happened in my own life. Come on, if we think about it, we've all gone through moments, and some of them are silly where we just went with what everybody, but some of them are extremely important. I remember in elementary, I grew up in Hialeah. Anybody from Hialeah? I grew up in Hialeah, and I, I went to Twin Lakes Elementary. Pray for all of us. And I remember in the elementary schoolyard, right, you have moments where everybody decides to gang up on one classmate and begin to bully them and begin to call them out and make fun of them. And, and I remember being in the patio of Twin Lakes Elementary and, and having to make a decision. Will I join my classmates or will I defend the one that was being bullied? And shamefully, I will say that many times I did not become a courageous person, but I joined in. Pray for me. It was Hialeah, and I was outnumbered. <laughs> Don't judge me. You, you've done it too. And then you get to the like middle school and high school years, I moved down to Cutler Ridge and I went to South Ridge High School. I was a Today it's been weird. There's been Spartans everywhere. It's just like a big pep rally at South Ridge. I mean at Calvary. And I remember my ninth grade class. I remember my ninth grade class and just in the back of the class while the teacher I think was playing a movie. Nobody was paying attention. But back of the class, um, some of my friends started rolling up um, a blunt and they just started like, hey, we're going we're gonna to smoke right after this class. And and I remember the peer pressure is on. What, what are you going to do? You're going to be a conformist? And I knew I was different. I was born and raised in church. Nah, I, I'm not going to let its substances, vices control my life. But I, I got to make a decision. Will I stand in courage or succumb to the peer pressure around me? This was in the middle of class. The finest school in the South Florida, Southridge High School. <laughs> Then I worked in corporate America for a few years, and some of you know you're, you're involved in that right now. I worked in an office with over 50 employees, and me and my wife worked there for about three and a half years. And it was awesome, but you start to see people who are far from God, and so they, I don't expect them to live like us. And they, they cheat, they steal, they cut corners so that they can get more money in their salary, or some of them start sleeping with each other, and you know so-and-so is married, but they're cheating on their wife with this co-worker and that co-worker, and corporate America can be a mess. And if you become a conformist, you'll just go along with the jokes and the laughs. And we turn the blind eye to what is happening instead of being people of courage. And throughout my young, beautiful young life, young, still very young, I've realized that conforming never brings good results. In fact, I put it this way today. You can't transform if you conform. In other words, we can't change a situation if we conform to that situation. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You and I, we can never affect the world if we decide to be just like the world. I can't bring transformation to my world if I just go along with what everybody else is doing, laughing at the same jokes, participating in the same thing. I have to realize I am born to be different. And at one point or another, I'm going to have to be courageous if I want to bring change. A priest named Titus who lived in the Nazi concentration camps trying to preach Jesus and redeem people for God. He said this, those who desire to win the world for Christ must have the courage to come into conflict with it. Yeah, not everybody will like you. Not everybody will like what you stand up for, the morals and the values. But I have to realize deep down inside, I'm a difference maker. I make a difference wherever I go. I don't speak the same. I don't think the same. I don't operate the same. I don't think like you. I don't talk like you. I don't walk like you. I've been chosen and picked by God. Come on, tell your neighbor, you are the difference maker. 
And so we will have to make a decision on how we will live. George Truett put it this way. You are either bringing, you are either being corrupted by the world or you are salting it. We're either adding salt to the world or we're being corrupted. I can't transform that which I conform to. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Unless I decide to be different and act different and carry myself different, I may start to be a transformation agent to the world around me. Are you following along what I'm saying? John Maxwell said that when he became a believer at a young age, he realized he was now an agent of transformation. And he said, the transformation that I experienced, I now want others to experience. God had done something in me that was so radical, that was so amazing. He said, now I want others to experience it. You ever seen somebody that tries a product or that goes somewhere and they love it so much they can't shut up about it? You ever met people like that? Like they try this new tea that helped them lose 42 pounds in two days. And, and I'm all for it, but, but they tell you about it. I mean, they'll put it everywhere. They'll tag you on social media. They'll put it all over. They got shirts, bumper stickers. They, they'll put it, I mean, they'll, they'll pop up in your night, in your dreams. And it'll look like a nightmare. Like, have you tried this tea yet? It lost 42 pounds. You know, or, or remember the people that were selling the best pots and pans in the world, and they would knock on every door. And you got to try these pans. Some of us are too, too young for that. But, I mean, you, you just try a product, or you have to go to the restaurant. It's the best restaurant in the world and then you go to the restaurant it's a terrible restaurant right but we become the best advertisers and some of us we have to realize we got something better than a tea and a pot and a pan come on we got the savior of the world I got the best transformation agent it's better than losing weight and I'm all for that it's better than a non-stick pan and I'm a fan but he's the savior of the world he changed me he rearranged me he forgave me he redeemed me he delivered me he took me alive and he put me right side up come on he's a good God I got the difference maker in my life and I have to tell others about it John Maxwell said oh transformation doesn't stop with me it continues with me and so I tell others about it he says we are representatives of change you and I are representatives of change it was Pastor Tony Evans who said, you're just not a teacher, you're a representative of God in the school system so that the school system knows what it looks like to have God operating in it. You're just not a doctor, you are a representative of God in the medical field so that the system knows what it looks like when God is in the mix. You're just not into politics, you're just not a lawyer, you are God's representative in the bar association so that the whole system knows what it looks like when God's representative steps in. You're just not a stay-at-home mom, you are a representative of the kingdom of God at home so that the world knows what it looks like when a woman of God is raising children. Oh, come on. You're a representative of God wherever you go. I am an agent of change. So we are transformation agents. Some of us, we realize we have not transformed. We've conformed. And we know what that looks like. I've conformed. You've conformed. Maybe in many parts of our life, maybe you're like, yeah, you know what? I've conformed. And now I speak to my wife the same way coworkers speak to their wives. And my family is how we grew up. It was the culture of our family, and so we mistreat one another. We don't respect one another. We curse at one another. We've conformed to the world around us. 
We just do what everybody else does. It's, it's family tradition. I'm Irish. It's in our blood. And so, well, today you can be the difference maker and break generational curses and say, I'm, I decide to start a brand new way in my life. We don't pay attention to our children. Our family's a mess. We go along with jokes in, in our workplace and we participate in stuff we've conformed. And the result of that we see is that it's never good. And change will never happen if we go down that route. You and I are difference makers. God has called us to make an impact. Mother Teresa said, don't worry about numbers, but you can start impacting somebody. Start with the person nearest to you. Everybody wants to make a change. Everybody wants to go across the world. The problem is few want to go across the street. God, make me a missionary. I want to go to Ethiopia for Jesus. Two weeks from now, we're going to go to Homestead with City Care. Why don't you participate in that? Come on. Let's go to Doral. Let's go to Little Havana. Let's go to Hialeah. Can I get an amen? Like, we got a mission field that's called Miami. And we are missionaries on this mission field. And so today, I believe God wants to raise up agents of transformation, difference makers in our culture, in our society. And he's looking for men and women of God that will stand up and say, I will be the difference maker. And it begins with you and I and transformation and change happening in us. And as a result, that changes the world around us. We may not change the whole world one by one, but I can start here in my city. I can start in my home. I can start in my family. And that will have a ripple effect for years. I put it this way today. If you want to make a difference, it begins first by being different. Come on. If you want to make a difference in the world, it begins with you and I first being different. Oh, come on, we are difference makers. Ma Matthew chapter 5 begins probably what's considered the sermon of all sermons. You, you want to you hear and read a good sermon, go to Matthew chapter 5, all the way through chapter 7, three chapters. That, that's the best. That's the sermon of the sermon. It's, it's God in the flesh speaking about this new way of life, this new kingdom that is now started. And it's Jesus that's speaking it from a mountain. It is absolutely genius and beautiful. It's considered the best sermon of all time. And it was given by Jesus. And we have record of it on Matthew chapter 5, verses, uh, chapters 5 through 7. Right? This is Jesus. The rest of us are all trying to pretend giving sermons. He's the best sermon giver. Right? He, he is God in the flesh. He is communicating to his creation beautiful, beautiful messages. Matthew chapter 5 is where Jesus begins to give this incredible message. Now, it's, it's really profound that Jesus, he goes up a mountain to give this. The Bible starts in Matthew chapter 5, and it says, Jesus went up to the mountain, and he called his disciples, his friends, his followers near to him, and he started giving this sermon on the mount. Now, why I think it's beautiful is because, and profound and prophetic, is because Jesus went up the mountain the same way that Moses went up the mountain. The Old Testament is just a shadow of the New Testament, meaning of things that were to come. Moses went up a mountain to get the law of God. Jesus goes up a mountain to give the new way of God. Moses was just a foreshadow of the greater Moses that was coming, which was Jesus Christ. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 is fulfilling what Moses was pointing to, which was the greater Moses, the greater deliverer that was going to come. And when Moses got in tablets of stone, Jesus now writes it in hearts of flesh. Moses got 10 commandments that say this is the way of life and that was good that was awesome but that was temporary Jesus now gives better commandments and he fulfills all those old commandments and he writes them in our heart 
And he begins in Matthew chapter 5. They're called the Beatitudes or the blessings. And Jesus is saying, if you live this way, you will be blessed. You have to read Matthew chapter 5. Maybe next year or the following, we'll do a series on the Beatitudes. Absolutely beautiful. And the whole Sermon of the Mount, absolutely amazing. But he gets to verse 13. And in verse 13, after talking about the Beatitudes, he then says, you are the salt of the earth. We're going to talk about verses 13 through 16 over the next few weeks. Today, I want to begin with, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus, you, you want to say amen, but you're not sure. You ever, you, you know, you ever, that ever happened in church? You're like, amen, amen. I'm the salt of the earth. What does that even mean, right? Like, I'm the salt of the earth. Like, God, we don't need hypertension. Like, what is that? I, I, some of us deal with high blood pressure. We don't need no more salt. If we need to understand, we, you, you and I, we need to go back to Israel, 30 AD. Let's go back in time. Because salt meant to them a lot more than it means to us. Today, some of us, we overlook salt. We don't use salt. We're like, cool, we have it there on our kitchen table. Salt in this day and age, when Jesus is speaking, was everything to them. In fact, in a lot of cases, it was a matter of life and death. It's how they preserved food. It's how they brought out flavor. It's how they kept each other healthy. Like, salt was of absolute importance. One article that I read said salt in this day and age had over 14,000 uses for people. The Greeks considered salt something as divine. That's how much they, they admired salt. The Romans, they called it white gold. In fact, they would pay Roman soldiers sometimes in bags of salt. That's where we get our word salary from. It comes from salt. It goes back to Roman times. Salt was that valuable that they would give you your money and then a bag of salt because they knew the Roman soldiers needed it for health. They also needed it to preserve their food. It was valuable. And so we're talking about something that was absolutely There was literally trades of salt that were happening across the known world at that time because this is how much people searched for it and wanted it. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, let people look for you the way they look for salt. The same way they need it for life or death. The same way they need it for healing and preservation. They should look to the church of Jesus Christ for life, substance, health. Come on, that's the church of Jesus. You are the solution of the world, is what he's saying. Obviously, we know there's nothing good in us. It's Jesus in us. That's why we're the salt. That's why we're the light of the world. He says, you are. Jesus, Jesus pops up in the scene like, and he says, I am the light of the world. Then he turns around and goes, you're the light of the world. Because now he's in us. So now he's like, hey, by the way, I'm about to die, resurrect, and ascend to the Father. You're the salt. In, in other words, stop waiting for somebody else to bring a solution to our culture and our society. You, you're it. Tag. You're it. I just think the church for years, right? Like we, we got it confused. We, we're waiting for government. Oh, government better put some good laws. We need more Christians in government. We, we, we could do. We need Christians everywhere. I'm for that. But what I'm saying is stop waiting for them to bring morals, principles, and values when Jesus said you're it. God, God designed institutions and God designed government and prime ministers and presidents and the Bible says he puts people in place absolutely and he has, you know, I thank God for our police officers and our firefighters and our mayors and our judges and all of that is necessary but he says the church is the salt. The church is the salt. That's you and I. 
we are the salt of the earth. In other words, stop waiting for the White House, stop waiting for a prime minister or a president, and start to make a difference wherever you go. God is not waiting for somebody else. There's no plan B. Plan A is the church of Jesus Christ to be salt and light wherever we go. Come on, you're the difference maker. And so some of us, were like, my, my marriage needs to change. When's the next marriage conference? And it's like, you can start making that change now. Sprinkle some salt in the way you talk to your wife or your husband and healing may begin to happen. Are you following along? Like some of us wait until Friday night. Like, I just need the youth pastor helping my kids. And just, it's like, yeah, all of that helps, but it starts at home. A friend of mine says, no one else is coming. Who are we waiting for? Nobody else is coming. We're it. We are the salt of the earth. Jesus says, you are it. Go around the world and change it. Be a difference maker. Not because you and I are great, and not because we're spectacular, the smartest, most intelligent, good-looking people, although we are, but because we have Jesus, the light of the world in us. We are the salt of the earth. So Jesus is giving this discourse on change, and he starts, he's saying, if you live this way, you'll be salt on earth. What does salt do? Salt had over 14,000 uses. And again, you can look up history and you can come up with a whole bunch of application points. I came up with three that hopefully can help us today. But I'm telling you, if you study this and go back, it is absolutely beautiful what salt did and how Jesus compares us to salt. But I think one of the points, and we're about to go because Tyler's already on the keys. But number one, one of the things that we do is that we provide goodness to the earth. Or put it this way, we, we permeate goodness around the world. It's what Christians are called to do. Salt does something that when you add it to food, it enhances the flavor of that which you put it on. I'll give you an example. You don't believe me? Have you ever tried McDonald's fries without salt? <laughs> Diabolical. <laughs> I went to high school, and in high school, when I went to high school, I, went to, I said it already, I went to South Ridge. They would let us go out for lunch. I think now they don't let nobody go out. But we would go out, and I had this one friend that always wanted McDonald's fries, and, and he would want them with extra salt. He was crazy. And I remember this one time we went through the drive-thru, and they didn't put extra salt. They barely put any salt, and we're about to drive off, and he made us turn around. He's like, no, no, I, I said extra salt. Like, he just go around the driveway, and we went around the drive-thru, and, and he wanted extra salt. He's like, I asked for extra salt. It enhances the flavor. It's like, oh, okay, this is, now this is good. I'll take three high blood pressure medications in the morning, but I'm going to eat these fries with extra salt. Right? Like salt, you just add, you add to it. It's awesome. And I know some of us got to cut back a little bit, but, but I mean, you just add, it brings out flavor. Maybe about seven, eight years ago, I started trying to eat healthier and cleaner. And so I, I, and I know this is why, but I stopped adding salt to all my food. I don't, I don't, in fact, if I cook it, I don't put no salt. It's bland, it's horrible, but I've just decided I'm going to try to be boring. And, um, <laughs> One, one morning I got up and I told Diana, girl, you, you chill. I'm going to go make you breakfast. And so I went and I made her some eggs and toast, a real fancy breakfast, eggs and toast. And I, I took it back to her and she starts eating and she is so like devastated. She's like, ah, ah, ah. Did you not put any salt? And I'm like, no, I, I forgot. I forgot. I thought I was cooking for myself part of it. And I, just, I, just did it. I just don't add salt. And she's like, oh. 
Ah, let me go get salt. <laughs> right? Because it enhances the flavor. You know, this is from ancient times. Job is considered to be the oldest book in the Bible. Look what Job says. Job chapter 6. Is tasteless food eaten without salt? <laughs> Job is like Diana. Ah. <laughs> or is there any flavor in the white of an egg? The white of an egg without salt tastes disgusting. In fact, the following verse, go to your Bible. The following verse, Job says, it makes me sick. <laughs> right? So what does salt do? It enhances the flavor. It, it brings out the goodness of the food that we're eating. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, you, you go to every pocket of your city, of your home, of your office, and you bring out the flavor of the world. You bring out the good. Salt has a way of pulling out the goodness out of the food. You and I, we pull out the goodness out of people, out of situations, out of whatever may happen. Oh, come on. We, come on. Any salt people in here. I'm going to bring out the good. I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not going to be faithless. I'm not going to be hopeless. And here we go again. Another problem. I'm going to be salt. I'm going to say, come on. Those who trust in the Lord, oh, he'll renew their strength. He works out all things for the good of those who love it. I'm going to speak with salt. I'm going to act with salt. I'm going to love with salt. Come on. We enhance the flavor. We bring it out. Look at your neighbor and tell him you are the difference maker. Come on. Go home today and sprinkle some salt all over your mouth. <laughs> like, like maybe today we just need to change the way we talk. The Romans, they literally would always say it. It was a common saying, add salt to the way you talk. In fact, they used it in the Bible. Colossians chapter 4, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So we need to talk with some, add some salt to your talk. Because you're just bringing everything down. Faithless, bland, bleh. You and I, we promote goodness. You are the salt. Why? Not because we're motivational speakers. No, because we're gospel proclaimers. We proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus everywhere that we go. We have hope, grace, peace, love, joy. Come on, anybody with me? Literally, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, and I know I'm going to try to wrap it up. Tyler's been playing for a minute, but, but God, God is writing the best story of all time. It's a movie that he's playing out throughout history. We're, we're not the star. A lot of times we think we're the star in row. No, we're not. Chill. Relax. Don't be that hung up on yourself. Jesus is the main star. And one day he's going to come and rule and reign forever. You and I are the previews before the movie. One commentator says, so when he says you're the salt of the earth, we're giving the world a preview of what life looks like with God. Co-workers, friends, family members that don't know Jesus should look at us and say, I want a part of that. Your life is just different. There's something different. Even when you go through loss, you look different. You're going through sickness and you're different. You just lost your job and nothing can wipe a smile off your face. You make me sick, right? Why? I'm the salt. I'm the salt. I'm the salt. And we belong to a different kingdom. So I don't mourn the same way. I don't go through loss the same way. I don't go through disease the same way. I don't go through troubles the same way. I don't go through storms the same way. I enhance the flavor. I promote goodness everywhere that I go. Are you following me? And the goodness, the salt, cannot stay in the salt shaker. 
We need Christians to sprinkle salt everywhere. And so the church needs to get out of the four walls and go sprinkle salt goodness all throughout society, all throughout the world. We do it through our city care. We do it through our giving. We do it through heart for the house. We're going to sprinkle salt everywhere. We're going to permeate the globe with the goodness of Jesus Christ. Number two, it also preserves freshness. Back then, in Jesus' times, they didn't have refrigerators, they didn't have ice boxes, they didn't have anything. So again, you got to transport yourself to this day and age. To them, salt meant this is how they keep their meat fresh, their fish fresh. This is how they keep their food from not going rotten. Some of you know, there's still people still to this day practice this. They would cover all of their food in salt, especially the protein, the meats, the fish. They would cover them, literally pour a bunch of salt so that it, it, it stops it from going bad. There's, there's something in salt that absorbs the moisture of fish or of beef. And that moisture, when it absorbs it, it absorbs the bacteria that already started growing in it. So it takes it out and it keeps it fresh. So when he says, you are the salt of the earth, you keep the world from decaying and going to utter destruction. When we preach the gospel, when we proclaim the gospel, when we love, forgive, live like Jesus, when we go through the Beatitudes and we are now citizens of a different kingdom, we are preventing the world from going into full decay. It's going into full decay. Bacteria setting in, we hold it back a little bit as salt of the earth. But it, it's happening. Society's rotten. That, I don't know if it's that bad. Okay, Psalm chapter 14, verse 3. Everyone has turned away, including you and I. Together they become rotten <laughs> to the core. The Bible's encouraging. Not one, not even one person does good things. You know why some of us now do good things and why we have good hearts? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ came and changed us. Some of us, come on, let's be real. Some of us in here, were, we were evil. We were wicked. We, we, we probably never killed nobody, but if we could, we gossiped. We were jealous. We were envious. We were rotten to the core. And the gospel of Jesus Christ comes and absorbs all the bacteria gets out all the rottenness out of our heart. I don't know you, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful he changed me. I'm thankful the salt came. And it preserves freshness and prevents decay. So they're hearing this and they, all their food, some of them went back home and their food was covered in salt because it's the only way they kept it fresh. And so they get it. They're like, as we go out proclaiming the gospel, we're keeping the world fresh. We're not letting bacteria set in. Today, come on, let's be honest. There's bacteria of lust. There's bacteria of envy, hatred, murder. Our world is full of bacteria. Racism again. I mean, just bacteria all over. And it's you and I standing up proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ that prevents it from going into total decay. And so that's why we'll be loud about the gospel. That's why I don't care if they cancel me they erase our YouTube videos, if they stop us from being on Spotify, the day of tomorrow, I'm going to stand for good morals, biblical principles, and what God calls us to stand for. Somebody needs to prevent the decay that's happening in society. 
Tell your neighbor, you are the difference maker. You, you know what we need to sprinkle salt on? And I'm about to finish. I've said that three times. You know, you know what we need to sprinkle salt on? We need to sprinkle salt on ourselves. Bacteria will want to grow even when you're a Christian, right? Like you, you'll get up one day and, and loss happened, you lost your job or your sugar foot honey boo-boo broke up with you and you're single again or, or, or you just went through hard time or you came to church and the pastor didn't say hi to you. I, I can't stand that pastor. Um, they took your parking space or team leader that encounter you in for city care. Or I don't know, like an offense wants to come in, rejection wants to come in. You know what you do? We need to sprinkle some salt. That place of offense, I need some salt everywhere. Because the enemy will want to come with bitterness, rejection, resentment, anger, unforgiveness. And I just get, come on, have you ever, you ever met somebody that 20 years, is bitter, 20 years. They don't believe in nobody. They're resentful. They're angry. There's some, like this darkness about them. It's like, you need some salt, extra salt. Like my friend with the fry, like pour salt everywhere. Like let that go. Let, let bacteria go. And it starts with ourselves. If you want to see a difference in the world, it begins with us being different. That's why we tell people, more than a relationship with a pastor or a church, I'm glad that we're all part of this and our community is growing and it's absolutely amazing. You need a relationship with God, with your Bible. Get in the Word and just say, I needed this, I needed this salt shaker this morning. This is speaking to my soul. The first one that the Bible offends is us. Like, you're being offensive to the world. It's like, I get offended every day when I read the Bible. It's like, God, don't talk to me about my anger issues. Like, you know, change, Alex, change. Right? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and mature will. Don't be conformed. I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. I need some salt to keep the bacteria out. And when that happens, it brings wholeness and it brings healing. Number three, salt means we promote healing. We produce healing. Wherever we go, we are healing agents for Jesus Christ. Salt has properties in it or sodium that is absolutely vital to the human body. And again, I'm not a scientist or a nutritionist, but some of this is very common. Your body needs a certain level of sodium. Otherwise, you will faint, you'll pass out. Heart attacks happen because people don't have enough sodium. In fact, if you haven't eaten for days and you're weak, the first thing is they'll pop an IV on you in the hospital, and it's because you need to get some electrolytes and sodium on the inside of you. Sodium has a way for uh, some of the most important nutrients of the body to go to your muscles, your veins, your arteries. In fact, athletes who work out a lot and sweat all day. We're talking about not just us that go work out for 10 minutes and like, today was great. No, people that work out for four or five hours, they, they need to replenish that sodium. That's why a lot of energy drinks have high levels of sodium. That's why I tell my friends sometimes, if you're not working out a lot, don't drink Gatorade. I mean, you're just drinking nothing but sodium and you just sweat it for five minutes. Sodium is good for the body. Your body needs it. It produces healing to the muscles that are tearing apart, to the veins and the arteries that have been stressed and losing. So, so when he says, you are the salt of the world, Oh, we go around the world and we permeate it. We promote goodness everywhere. We are enhancers of flavors. We go everywhere and we, oh, we preserve freshness 
and prevent decay. But third and finally, we also bring healing to pockets of our city, our world, our homes that need salt. Because as bacteria is held back, healing comes forth. And salt has a powerful effect. Jesus says, these are the signs that should follow the church. Matthew chapter 10, go and make this announcement. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It's here. This new way of life is here. It's here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, and throw out demons. Jesus said, wherever we go, this is what we should do. Many times in physical ways, but other ways, other times in spiritual ways. We heal. We take healing by the way we speak, by the way we love, by the way we forgive. Are you following me, 1 p.m.? We are healing agents of Jesus Christ on earth. And so we do it by the way we love one another, by the way we give generously that this church last year gave over $400,000. You know why? Because we're agents of transformation. And kids all over the world today are being fed. Churches are being built because we gave. You know why? Because we're healing agents of Jesus Christ. When we go into pockets of our city that nobody wants to go to, we're there. Salting the earth, bringing healing. When we go into homes that are on the verge of divorce and destruction and we sit down and counsel, it's healing for the soul. When we make therapist appointments for people that never wanted to go see a therapist and we sit down with them and say, go see them, it's bringing healing to families. We are healing agents of Jesus Christ. Go into all the world and tell them, there's a new way of life. I no longer live the way I used to live. I'm part of a new kingdom now, and you should see it. It is salty, and it is awesome. Oh, it brings out all the good flavors. It actually preserves freshness and keeps me pure and clean. And whew, It brings healing for my soul. Salt therapy has been studied for years. But this, the band can come up, and we'll finish. Over 700 years ago in the country of Poland, they started doing these things called salt therapy. And they discovered the properties of sodium that were so good for the body. And so what they started doing, literally in Poland, they started building salt rooms. And they'll put rocks and rocks of salt, these big pillars of salt, they'll put them in a room. And people that had especially respiratory issues, they'll sit them in these salt rooms just to breathe in the salt and the steam that was built in there. And and they'll begin to breathe it in and it'll get into their lungs, it'll get into their system. And I'm talking about for the last 700 years, people traveled all the way to Poland just to sit in these salt rooms. And it became known as salt therapy and people started getting healing. They realized that sodium and salt started getting in their body through their respiratory system and it started opening up their lungs. It started opening up their arteries and their veins. Oxygen began to now go to different parts of their body just sitting in a salt room. They've now reproduced that, and they're, they're all over the world. There's some in our own country. I believe in the state of Utah, there's salt rooms. And people just, it's one other way to try to find some healing for respiratory issues. And they'll go and they'll just sit in a salt room and breathe it in for an hour or so. And they'll go a couple times a week, and, and they'll begin to have some healing. You know what I think the Church of Jesus Christ should be? A salt room. When people come in and sit down in one of our services or in our homes or go have lunch or dinner with us, we should be salt therapy for the world. When they start having conversation with us, it should be like a steam of salt that just begins to get down in their lungs and all of a sudden disease comes off. 
rejection comes off, bitterness comes off, trauma begins to get healed, and hey, I'm going to sit you down with a pastor or a therapist, and all of a sudden, just healing begins to happen to the soul of the world when they sit in salt therapy. You are the salt of the world. Wow, what a beautiful statement. This is Jesus telling you and I, I got a mission for you. You're not here to take up space. You're not here. I don't care if nobody gives me a title of anything. Jesus gave me a title, Salt of the Earth. And that's amazing. If nobody ever knows my name, if nobody ever counts me in for anything, I got recognition from heaven and I'm an assignment from the kingdom of God to be salt on earth. I want us to stand up to our feet.